On this episode of Eager to Know, the comparison spiral, gratitude lists, and the power of making your bed each morning. We all have a creative part of our brain, whether we use it or not, for generating new ideas, problem solving, and just viewing ourselves in this world. I am Ricky McEachran, an artist living in Chicago, and I am eager to know and share with you all how people of a creative leaning have brought this way of thinking to the forefront and how it has shifted outcomes. It was suggested I check out Tony Rossi as a potential guest on Eager to Know. I found out he was both an actor and a coach, a mindset coach. I was very intrigued and curious to speak with him. I found Tony to be very honest. His honesty enabled me to understand how the job of an actor is much different than I expected. Being a struggling actor activates the thoughts and feelings many people struggle with. Self-doubt, not feeling enough, comparison to others. And I found our conversation fun, refreshing, and very inspiring. Tony, so you do two things that I'm very interested in talking to you about. (laughs) You are an actor, and you also do coaching and workshops. So I have a lot of questions about both. And I also have questions about how the two work together. Oh, my gosh. I love it. I I have so many thoughts. Okay, good. So in terms of being an actor, Uh you know, when I think of actors and my exposure to acting and actors is very minimal. Mm -hmm. I see movies and I watch television. I don't really watch that much television. But when I uh, watch television, I see actors. And that's the only thing that I see. I don't know anything about the behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, I don't really know what what an actor does. Like, what, what is it that you're trying to produce that makes you want to be an actor? Like, what, what is your desired output that makes you want to be an actor? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I love this question because you are admitting what so many people are afraid to admit, which is they don't understand the industry. Just like I don't understand your industry fully as a painter. I have an idea of what it entails, but I don't really know it. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of times people confuse actors for chameleons. Okay. And what I mean by that is people think that we just take off a hat and put on another one. Then we put on this other hat and we can just be anything. And a lot of actors start out that way. I believe acting is best when it's truthful and when you're playing roles that are most like yourself. Okay. And there's so many different directions we could go with that. But I believe acting is based in truth and it's a part of storytelling. It's just one aspect of it. So that's my, my short snippet of, of what acting is. So what about the star and fame part of acting? Is that, is that a Oof. component to it? Because I think a lot of people think of actor and they mm-hmm. think movie star. Yes, absolutely. And look, this is one of the things I love about Chicago is that most of us, not all of us, but most of us don't want to be famous. We want to be actors. Okay. And a lot of Chicago actors are not famous. Some are very well known, but a lot of us aren't famous. And it's been my experience, I got to choose my words carefully, but it's been my experience that the actors who just are in it to be famous, they're not as fun to be around. Okay. They're they're not as interesting because, again, acting is a part of storytelling. And full honesty, and we can talk about this if you want, but 
I started acting in seventh grade because I wanted to be cast in the Harry Potter movies <laughs> because somebody told me I looked like Harry Potter one day in school. Are you kidding me? No, not at all. I was in sixth grade. I had super low self-esteem, just like many of us do in middle school. And there was somebody who said to me one day at my locker, Tony, you look like Harry Potter. Hey, doesn't he look like Harry Potter? Oh my God, he looks like Harry Potter. And I'm like, I don't fully know who that is, but this is making people like me. So I'm, I'm going to roll and with And I'm it. getting intention. Yes, okay. yes. And something I was, I was thinking about earlier today was, wow, I've always had a really low pain threshold, both for physical pain and emotional pain. Okay. So during those middle school days when I had super low self-esteem, being told that I looked like a popular character was great. Yeah. And then knowing that, wait, this could, in my mind, in my sixth grade mind, could connect me when they announced that the Harry Potter books were being turned into movies. I'm like, oh, oh, this could make me really popular. Yeah. And so I joined Drama Club the next year. So, okay. So it sounds like there is an expression of something that's inside of you to help facilitate storytelling. Mm -hmm. But it also sounds like there's something about affirmation. Oh, is that true? That absolutely. Is and big... and I, I didn't fully answer your question before. I eventually learned, and I think I first learned this in college when I got rejected from the BFA program. You could audition for a BFA or you could just take the BA route for theater performance. I okay. got rejected from the BFA. And that's when things started to shift for me. And They shifted in what way? They shifted because by the time I graduated... I realized that I loved diving into a character, learning about the world of a play, all these things that had nothing to do with attention. Okay. And I told myself by the time I was 18 that I was in it for the right reasons, but I really wasn't. I really liked the attention. I liked the backstage laughs and all the stuff, like you said, the stuff that other people don't get to see. They're so much fun. Okay. But yeah, it, it took that rejection to really make me understand what this industry was about. And to make you realize how much you really, despite the rejection and despite mm -hmm. the fact that the experience in it wasn't giving you affirmation, yeah. there was something about it that you, you really had to look at, what do I really like about this? Or do I like it? Yeah. The beautiful thing I did find when I finally joined Drama Club and I bit the acting bug was that I found people who were like me. Mm -hmm. I found the weird people. I, I pe hear this all the time when I listen to people, because I, I don't really have friends that are in acting, but uh -huh. I hear like celebrities all the time who yeah. are actors. And in their interviews, they always said that exact same thing, that they found their crew. Yes. And again, during that time when I had super low self-esteem, and it's been a work in progress even up until this day, when I had that super low self-esteem, all of a sudden people thought I was funny. Like some of the girls thought I was cute. I'm like, this is new. And I was, I loved it. So I really found people who were who my people. Okay. Do you think that is unique to actors? Or do you think that that is something that is just a human trait that you are, you feel better when you connect with people that are like you? Or do you yeah. think that people that have an affinity towards drama and acting are a little bit more sensitive in that area? I think actors are very sensitive people. If my friends are listening, I'm so sorry. But it's true. We're emotional people, and that's what makes us so good at what we do. And it's also what makes this industry so challenging for us. But to your point, I also think 
we find our people in whatever niche we're in, especially when it comes to art. Because I don't know, and I mean, I could be wrong, I, I don't know if the whole emotional thing is just specific to actors or not. I mean, maybe you know better, like, with your community, being a painter or the other guests you've had on the show. Um, well, I can't, I can't speak to actors, but I can say that people that are artists and that are um, producing work that mm -hmm. is very much from their spirit and their you know, soul, yeah. that they're very going to be very sensitive about how that is received, obviously. Oh, sure. And, and I talk about this all the time because I used to do something different. I mean, I used to be yeah. a project manager, program manager for big companies. So uh -huh. we would, I would be part of a big team and we would be producing projects that would have very, you know, outputs like mm -hmm. e-commerce websites, et cetera. And the, when that was successful, either successful or it was a failure, mm -hmm. it wasn't really as um, exhilarating or devastating sure. yeah. because it was, I was just part of a team as opposed to if I'm doing a simple painting, it, that is such an extension of me yeah. that when people receive it the way I would like it to be received, it's exhilarating. Or if people don't react, it's, it's very devastating. So I, mm -hmm. so I think that's common to whether you're a musician, whether you are um, you know, whether you're a painter or whether you're an actor. But I think from ta from what I'm hearing from you, I feel like, because the way you described it, that it's storytelling, but it's really part of, it's expressing yourself. And I, I feel yeah. like when you are an actor, you're expressing a part of yourself that is a little bit more part of your core than if you were a painter. Maybe a singer, I'm not a singer, mm. but you know what I mean? I feel yeah. like it is, it, it seems to me that it would be um, potential for a lot of, to be very sensitive about rejection. Oh gosh, yeah, and it's funny, I don't know when this podcast is coming out, but um, my next workshop I'm doing is all about rejection. And one of the things that I, I I'll, I'll be talking about, I'll give it away right now, is if we can see rejection differently, I believe rejection isn't always rejection. Sometimes rejection's a reroute. Mm -hmm. So when I got rejected from the BFA program at Salem State, I got rerouted. And not only did I discover that humbling moment of, and really it wasn't just one moment, it took some time, but for me to realize really why I was doing this and if I wanted to keep doing this, but I took my classes in a particular order where a professor mentioned, she happened to mention that day that Chicago was a place you could pursue an acting career. Mm -hmm. If she hadn't mentioned that, I don't know if I'd be here. Okay. And also, I didn't tell you this. I got rejected from my first choice, which was Emerson College. Okay. And it was those two rejections that happened. And if they didn't happen, I might not be here. Yeah. Especially from going to the theater school at Emerson and making what I'm assuming is like great connections in the Boston theater scene. I don't know if I'd be here. Yeah. And you feel like being here feels right for you? Oh my God. I, I've been here nine years now and I, I really love it. I can't say that this is my forever. As of right now it is. Yeah. But I also just was in Atlanta in April and it was 70 degrees. I'm like, cool. Oh, <laughs> oh, this is nice. But I didn't get the same vibe in Atlanta, I love you, but I didn't get the same vibe that I get when I'm in Chicago walking down the streets. Okay. So being someone or being a group of people yeah. that are uh, on the sensitive side mm -hmm. and you're in a job where you're being looked at and judged on yeah. kind of what you look like, 
I assume that's part of it. Oh, absolutely. The way, Especially on camera. The way you speak. Yep. That sounds like a recipe for disaster for someone who is sensitive. Oh, my gosh. And it's why so many of us need this self-care stuff so much. And truthfully, I, I love these workshops and my coaching so much. And, and all the other coaches out there who do it, too. I love it so much because I think it's just as important as practicing our craft. We're just not taught that early on, and our brain doesn't associate self-care, seeing things differently, reading self-help books as a useful tool mm -hmm. for our artist tool belt. Now, <laughs> you're absolutely right that when it comes to our look and we're, we're putting ourselves out there, we're being vulnerable, <laughs> it could be a recipe for disaster. Again, it's why I think workshops and coachings are so important. It's why I think self-help books are so important. But when you educate yourself about the industry, and, and this, again, I've been here nine years, so it's, it's gotten easier for me. But when you educate yourself about the industry, you learn it's not so personal. I just was being a reader for a callback, or I'm sorry, for an audition uh, just earlier this week. And I was watching everybody audition. I was hearing what the director and the artistic director and the casting director were saying when they left the room. And for this particular show, they wanted an essence of a character in addition to talent. But they were looking for an essence of a character. And they're like, you know what? That person's really good. Like a specific thing they were looking for? Yeah. Like yeah. one of the roles, they said, we want someone really dreamy in this role. And there were some really good actors who came in who weren't dreamy. This makes perfect sense to me um, in, because they're running a business. So they're, yeah. looking, they're looking for, they have a specific requirement of what they're looking for. And either you meet it or you don't. And yeah. you're kind of like the product. They're kind of going through inventory and looking at the product that fits the need. Yeah. And either you, you know, so it kind of makes sense that it, you shouldn't take it personal. Yeah. However, you know, when you're, <laughs> when you're the product and you're not getting selected off the shelf, I'm yeah. sure that that obviously doesn't um, feel that great. But what, you know, one thing that you mentioned, obviously you're the, the self-help books. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did you get into that? Oh, man. So... About six years ago now, I hit what I call my emotional rock bottom. I call it an emotional rock bottom because in in my mind, rock bottom is when like your partner leaves you who you thought you were going to be with forever mm -hmm. or you're you're about to be evicted from your home. Like there are, there are more serious rock bottoms than mine. My emotional rock bottom, again, I've ha always had a really low tolerance for pain, is I was waiting tables and I was hating my life. Mm-hmm. And I worked with some really wonderful people, but I did not like it there. And there was one day in particular, it's funny, we were talking about Harry Potter. There was one day in particular where I kept getting called into work and I was so stressed and I didn't want to be there. And again, I was getting called in to work and it was like back to back to back to back days right around the holidays. We were super short staffed and I didn't know how to stand up for myself. So I said yes every time. I thought, well, yes, this is what I have to do. Okay. And so again, I bring up Harry Potter because I just broke at one point. This table broke me. This is a table of jerks. And they said- Meaning, meaning customers. Yes, yes. Sorry. Yeah, customers. And I just took a moment. I went downstairs and there was a cupboard under the stairs, just like Harry Potter. <laughs> and, and I just broke down and I cried. Uh -huh. And look, I'm a crier. It's it, that part's not uncommon, but for me to break down at work, that's never a fun feeling. Handy for acting. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> but getting that on cue is yeah. So 
I knew I wasn't doing well. I had, I was following, and all during this time, I was following this life coach on social media, and okay. I signed up for her emails, and she was really inspiring. That coach's name is Courtney Rue. She's an actor on Chicago Med right now, um, but she had just started her life coaching business. I had no idea she was in Chicago, and so meaning, start- you, meaning you were already following her, and you didn't know that. She yeah, was in I Chicago. thought she was somebody in L.A. with oh. this like big following, and. So I started devouring all of her free content because it was just making me feel better. Okay. And long story short, I ended up getting a free coaching call with her. And it was right around this time where I was in my emotional rock bottom from waiting tables. And after the call, I thought, okay, I know she... And and she said, these are the options if you'd like to work with me. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Again, I didn't equate my brain to this is a necessary tool. Okay. I, I thought I had to put money into classes and into headshots. I didn't think I had to spend money on a self-care thing. Or changing your mind. Yeah. Changing, changing the, way, the way you think. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that was a thing. And at the time, I legit said this to her at the end of the call. I said, Courtney, I don't think I need this. I'm really happy. And I just had my emotional rock bottom. And I was still saying that in my mind. I think sometimes we don't see the things that are causing us not to be successful or not to be happy. But long story short, she had a super, super cheap program at the time. She offered me a payment plan, and I said yes. Okay. So th- that was the beginning. From there, I started reading self-help books. I ended up joining network marketing, and they really pushed self-help books. And so that was the time where things started to shift, and all the self-care started coming into my life. And did you have any experience with that type of thing beforehand, or did you always think about the way that I move forward towards success is by just doing work on my craft, the tools that are available to me. Did, yeah. did, did you have any experience with that type of thing beforehand? If I did, I didn't pay attention to it. Okay. Because, for example, in self-help, they talk a lot about watching the words you use and the words you use about yourself and saying things like, gosh, I'm so stupid. Why was I so bad at that audition? Like saying those types of things I didn't think that was a big deal. I'm like, what's the difference between that saying, okay, you weren't as prepared as you wanted to be next time, you'll know. I was like, what's the difference? It's the same thing. Yeah. I I hated when people told me to like watch the words I use about myself and other people. I didn't like it. So to answer your question, if it was presented to me, I didn't want to pay attention to it. Okay. Um, On a previous episode of Eager to Know, I interviewed... Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, they won't win, which I think you listened to. Is that the musicians? The musicians. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, uh, one of the, you know, the fr- my favorite song from them. The first two lines of the song are "Be careful what you believe, mm-hmm. be careful what you say," mm-hmm. and this ties into kind of what you're saying because yeah. I think the power of what we believe, what we believe about the world, oh, what we believe gosh, yes. about our relationship with the world, yes. and what we believe about ourselves, I think is critical Mm -hmm. to how to all our decisions they're all rooted and then also be careful what you say which to me is is be careful what you your actions so it's like what you believe and what your actions i feel like are so powerful and i feel like all of this self-help i'm not super into that but Mm -hmm. you know but it sounds like it's ultimately about changing what you believe about yourself and what you believe about how you relate to the world Absolutely. And and you brought up a good point, which is not everybody's into this. And there are even people listening right now who are digging this conversation. They're like, Tony, this is not for me. 
one of the reasons I always thought it wasn't for me was because I didn't like a particular style of self-help. Mm-hmm. And I think there's kind of different dialects within the self-help world. Yeah. And there are some types of self-help where I'm like, this is too much for me. Um, there was a, a, a live meditation workshop that I did. And I, I, it was part of a larger event, but part of it was this meditation. And at the time, I didn't do that. I do now. And I was being told to imagine that I was on top of a hill and I remember, like, I think at one point, like, there's liquid running through you. I'm like, there's not liquid running through me. And I just, I couldn't resonate with that. So I think in order to get to that place, hey, some people might hear that and be like, yeah, that's my jam. And that's right. cool. But I think there's different types that resonate with each of us. <laughs> What's really popular right now is there's a couple of self-help books that have a lot of cursing in them. And so, so those are becoming popular with people who don't read self-help books. But yeah, it's not always this widely embraced thing, and I I totally get that. And you do coaching. I do, yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so for it's interesting. I, I first learned about coaching, I think, through Courtney and through part of my big year, uh, which was the name of her program at the time. Uh, I believe we also got a, a one-on-one coaching call with her, and that's really a more honed-in way to learn about these principles and see how it applies to your unique situation. Um, sometimes that's just getting the ball rolling. A lot of the times it's su- it's covering something specific, a specific challenge that you're having. So that would involve you asking questions to understand the person who you're coaching, understand yeah. exactly what their specific issue is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course, because I, <laughs> I can give you advice that might be brilliant advice but doesn't apply to you or it doesn't help with the specific problem you have right so i actually have on my website tonyrossicoaching.com where you can sign up for a free one-on-one with me to see if we mesh and see if this is helpful um there's a questionnaire and it asks what do you want what what's coming up for you right now what what are the challenges that you're currently having are your coaching services specific to actors and creatives or are they um suitable for anyone they are suitable for anyone i will say any time for people listening if you're considering coaching get someone with results that you want to emulate yourself whether that's mindset results whether that's financial results whether that's health results get coaching from somebody who has the results that you want so if somebody for me mostly i can offer a mindset that other people want or at least i would hope and I understand actors best, especially being in Chicago nine years. I was acting for, gosh, I'm blanking on the math right now. I want to say eight years before that. Okay. So I have a lot of acting experience and I've learned a lot of things along the way. So I'll best be able to help with acting depending on the situation. I had a free one-on-one that I did with someone earlier this week and she's not an actor. And and we're having the conversation now about like doing ongoing coachings. Okay, great. Yeah. One of the things that you mentioned in, I don't know if it was one of your posts or one of your podcasts was the comparison spiral. Ah. And, and that's something that really, um, that activated my brain because it's a challenge for me. Yeah. I think it's a challenge for a lot of people. And, um, you know, I think it's a trap. Yeah. Can you tell tell me about the your viewpoint oh, on boy. the comparison yeah. spiral? Oh my gosh, absolutely. My last workshop was called The Pitfalls of Comparison. And 
For anybody who was interested in that, if you go to TonyRossiCoaching.com, I do have an email list where you can stay up to date uh, because I am looking for places to host that again. But yeah, so especially for actors, we see other people doing things by a certain age and by a certain timeline, and we see that as evidence as where we should be ourselves. I think this is everyone, though. Oh, my so, God. It, it is everyone. I, Absolutely. I yeah. It, and plus with social media yep. and the fact that we have visibility yes. to what everyone is doing all the time, it can cause a lot of problems. It, it can. It can distract you from your goals. It can, stra- can distract you from what you're doing. Yeah. It, it, it can be a big trap. Oh, my gosh. I was doing theater at... Uh, Boston Area Theater. Maybe you're familiar with them. They're called uh, Greater Boston Stage, formerly known as Stoneham Theater. And there was a, a young company there. There still is, and it's doing very well. And that was like a big part of my upbringing into theater. And there was an actor who I did a show with there named Nick Christopher. We did one show together. And even at the time, he was really good. Everyone knew he was really good. Well, to give you an idea of where Nick Christopher is right now, he was in the original cast of Hamilton. Okay. And he left, and now he's back as, I think, George Washington. Okay. So he's doing pretty well. Okay. And meanwhile, I was sitting at home watching the Tonys, I think on my tablet, because I don't have cable. I'm watching the Tonys on my tablet, and the very next day, I'm going to my free internship. Now, this was at a, at a wonderful place, and I, I had a great experience with them, still do. But all I could think of was, wow, I'm, I haven't done a show in a while. And there's Nick Christopher, who I've done a show with, and he's in Hamilton. Like, of all shows to see him in, he's in Hamilton. Here's the thing about Nick Christopher. He was always a wonderful singer. I wasn't a wonderful singer. I was an okay singer. But I wasn't a wonderful singer. He has a voice. And for me to compare myself to him, even though he's two years younger than me, it's it's two different things. Yeah. And I don't think we take into consideration all the specifics when it comes to comparing ourselves to other people. Yeah. And I think that this that scenario that you just described mm-hmm. with you being on your tablet watching the Tonys because yep. you don't have cable and then someone that was your peer is mm-hmm. on the Tonys. Yeah. Okay. So that's a pretty <laughs> yeah. that's a pretty extreme example. Yeah. But I don't think that that scenario is really specific to like it's specific to you, mm-hmm. but that is not a that's not a Tony thing. That's not Tony meaning you. Yeah. That's not a 2019 thing. Yeah. That's like something that people have experienced forever. Mm-hmm. People you know of that magnitude those types of scenarios where you are seeing people leapfrog over you and people just, and it's kind of part of the human experience. So what do you, what do you have to say? Because people listening to this are experiencing that. What do you have to say for people that are experiencing that? So in my workshop, I use the analogy and I, I put my own twist on it, but I use the analogy of don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter five. What I, what I say is, let's pretend this is levels and it's a building. So don't compare your level one to someone else's level five. Here's the thing. Some people start on level three. Mm-hmm. Some people get a head start because of people they know. Um, a great story of that is I've been in Chicago nine years, as I mentioned. 
I just got my first agent who can submit me to TV shows. Okay. Like, just got one. Meanwhile, a great actor I went to college with at Salem State named Joe Metcalf, he went to grad school and went to NIU. He just graduated a couple months ago, already has an agent. And you better believe when I saw his Facebook post, I was like, you got to be kidding me. How does he have an agent already? Mm-hmm. Joe went to grad school here. I went to Salem State. I didn't go to grad school. I came here and I knew two people. For many grad schools and even undergrad acting programs here, you get a showcase at the end. Mm-hmm. So he got to enter at level three. Yeah. And so I think, again, we don't take into consideration all of the specifics that happen with comparison. Like another thing that, that comes up sometimes is seeing people on social media who are married, who have houses, kids and dogs and all the things when you're still single. Well, you might be able to move at a faster rate than them at some of your goals. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's all these different types of examples that kind of went in a couple different directions there. But I think there's all these different specifics that we don't take into consideration. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, my viewpoint on it is um, I think it's imp- I think that, obser- as I said, observing that is something that is just part of being human. Yeah. And unless you are spending your days playing video games and blocked out from the rest of the world, yeah. you are going to experience this. And sure. so you have to find a way to process it and deal with it. And I just think saying, um, trying to stay focused on what your goals and having goals and yeah. having something that you're working towards that's meaningful and means something to you. And that's what you can try to compare your, you, that's the comparison that you can use is either how far, it, how far am I advancing in my goals? Am I getting up and working hard every day and just focusing on those types of things? Yeah, for sure. Another thing I I think I shared in my workshop was there's a a great Chicago actor who I saw on stage at Steppenwolf, and I got to know him much, much later. And then one day I ran into him at a bar, and I said hi, and we were catching up. He's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, you know, I'm I'm doing really good. I just... At the time, I had just auditioned for the school at Steppenwolf. I'm feeling really excited. And I know he has an affiliation with Steppenwolf. So I'm like, oh, he's going to be impressed. And he says to me, oh, the school. Yeah, wow. That that took me forever to get in. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I had to audition multiple times. And I'm like, wait, you had to, they didn't accept you right away? Like, I had this image in my head that he was just gifted and born inside Steppenwolf and just was able to like get all of these roles. And I think sometimes, again, forgetting about the specifics when we're comparing, we don't take into consideration how much time they spent to get to level five. So again, there, there's all these different scenarios that come into play that, that we don't even think about until we talk to them. Yeah. One of the things that you had mentioned was staying connected with people that have a similar mindset to you. Yeah. Is that, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because I think that that's really important. Not only a similar mindset, but people that may have a even better mindset than oh you. Oh my gosh. I yeah. was recently having this conversation with someone who, he, he was describing a scenario where he was getting feedback from someone who was fairly negative. Mm-hmm. He was like Eeyore. <laughs> and, uh, and it was bringing him down. And I was telling him that, who you spend your time with 
is really important because Absolutely. it's because it's going to like wire your brain. Um, and I was encouraging him to be around people that have uh, a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. What do you have to say about that? Oh my gosh, there's a great quote. I think it's by Jim Rohn that says, "You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with." Mm. And so, think about it. Who are the five people you spend the most time with? What is their mindset like? What is their health like? What are, what are, what's their diet like? And what are their finances like? Yep. Are those areas that you want to emulate yourself? Now, some of these people are like family, and you're like, okay, well, I don't like their mindset necessarily. Family, if you're listening, I love you. I don't like their mindset <laughs> necessarily, but I still want to spend time with them. And then there's this whole thing I think either Jim Rohn or Tony Robbins talks about where you can put people into categories. Okay, so these are the people who I'm going to put in my limited association category, so I'll only spend a little bit of time with them. And then there are some people who, I'll be honest, there, there are some artist people, really nice and kind and loving people who I don't spend time with anymore. And it's because I, I didn't like their attitudes about the industry. They were constantly complaining about being broke and nothing was changing. Yeah. And there was one night in particular, I remember being with them and I'm like, everybody's so angry. This is not fun. Yeah. Like I spent my night here. <laughs> this was supposed to be fun. So to your point, it, it, and, and, and that, and here's the other thing. It was all of them. They were all doing it. Yeah. And so I don't think we realize just how easily that comes into play. And look, there, there are some people listening right now who I don't think like this at all. This is hard. This is really hard when you realize there's people in your circle who you want to maybe create some space for. Again, you don't have to completely cut them off, but you can create space. Or uh, the way I think about it is where I spend my time. Yeah. So you don't have to cut anybody out, but I yeah. think that seeking out people that are either more in line with the type of mindset that you're looking for yeah. or a mindset that's really... Um, you know, above yours. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And this is one of the benefits of one of the benefits of social media Uh and one of the benefits of living in an amazing city like Chicago is there's so many opportunities to connect with different types of people. Um, I think it's fairly easy. Plus people are just, well, we're both from Boston, so we know the difference of how friendlier people are here. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't, I I don't like to use the word friendly. The way I describe it is people are much, people in Chicago compared to Boston, they are much more open to making connections to new people is how I oh, would describe it. So true. I remember before I moved here, I was walking around with a map because I didn't have a smartphone at the time. And the first time somebody came up to me, he's like, hey, do you need help? And I'm like, ooh, ooh, no, <laughs> go away. <laughs> I, I, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking, I'm like, oh, what does this guy want? Exactly. That's- and then like two other people did it that same day. And I'm like, oh, this is this is a thing here. Okay. Yeah. Now, for anybody who's new to Chicago, please be careful of your surroundings and the people who are offering to help you. But to your point, yeah, Chicago likes to help people out. I remember someone telling me that... Um... For, for New York City, if you had a map and you were lost and you could mm-hmm. stand on a street in New York City looking at a map confused and uh-huh. like you could be there for three months and no one would help you. But if you ask anyone for help, they would immediately help you. 
Interesting. So now, but now it sounds like in Chicago, people are just offering their help. Yeah. And, and that's another thing I'll say to the Chicago uh, acting community, specifically the theater community, because I know them best, that everybody wants to help each other out. Maybe not everybody. I, I like to think everybody, but the majority of people want to help each other out because, I mean, it, it keeps us connected. Again, it's like we're, you're around your people. Why wouldn't you want to help them? So when listening to your podcast and reading some of your posts, you had mentioned something about the way people can make themselves feel better is to just, they think about themselves as just really being awesome and amazing. But I feel like there's a part of it that has to be rooted in reality. Yeah. So for instance, like if you are getting rejected or you're getting results in life, I don't think that just telling yourself that you're amazing and you're awesome is enough. Uh So I feel like there's this element of the self-helpy type of stuff that sort of is a little bit too positive affirmation oriented. Oh, 100%. And it's not not rooted in looking at your behavior. And the reason I was talking to a former guest and she was talking about, you know, when you want something, putting it out in the universe. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, well, yeah, but you also have to do all the work. Like you can't, you can't, yes, yes, yes. You can't be someone that um, goes through life not being a good employee, not treating people with respect, but I put it out in the universe and I should expect to get it. So I feel yeah. like, do you know what I'm getting oh, at? Oh my God. Yeah, we're, we're exactly on the same page. There is, I think, a school of thought, and I might be dipping my toes into territory I'm not as familiar with, so forgive me if that's the case, but there is a school of thought where your thoughts become things and you write them down and it happens. I, I fully agree with you. I think that, yes, write, writing down your goals, I think it's really helpful. I write down my goals. Total transparency. I, I tell everyone to write down their goals. I've not been doing it as much lately. I'm just getting back in the habit. I'm a big fan of writing down your goals and writing them down every day. But to your point, then you have to do the work. Yeah. So that act in and of itself is not enough, in my opinion. Does that make sense? It makes total sense. And yeah. It's not, and it's doing the work, but it's also um, experiencing all of this other stuff that we talked about. Rejection. Yeah. And, and, and paying attention to what's going on and seeing people doing better than you and just staying engaged. So all of that is hard. It's kind of just mm-hmm. being a human and it's very hard, but you have to do that. It's not just about affirmations. affirmations um, putting it out in the universe, writing goals, like there's all that other work that has to be done. Absolutely. And yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll share one that I use, and I guess it's not so much about myself, but the f- very first words I say in the morning are, I say thank you. I'm grateful that I woke up. I, I'm not, I, I, you know, I'm not a particularly religious person, I guess maybe a little spiritual. So is it a, but, pra- is it a prayer to God? No, it's just, it I'm, just, I'm grateful okay. that I woke up. So I'm saying thank you. Yeah. So I guess to the universe or whomever. That's I've a never, good way to start the day. I, I've never thought about that until just now of like, who am I saying that to? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, uh, thank you. So I say thank you. And then I repeat over and over, today's going to be a good day. And I say it over and over and over. And there are t- days like uh, the past couple of days where I've woken up in a bad mood. And I say it anyway. I don't always want to believe it. I'm sometimes frustrated. Okay, today is going to be a good day. You know, but I, I really 
want it to be a good day. Okay. So that's how I start my day. And like, I want to put that out there. I want to start the day with good energy. It doesn't mean the minute I check my email, which I do after my meditation, I, I'm not, a, I, I am a big proponent of setting time for you before you check your, check your stuff. But the minute I check my email, I might be in a bad mood. It doesn't yeah. mean it always works. It doesn't mean every day is a good day. Yeah. But I'm still going to attempt because why, why not say good things first thing in the morning? I think that, yeah, I think the way that you think coming out when you wake up is important. But because yeah. sometimes you just wake up in the, like, in the most foul mood or some yeah. days you, it's so weird how the brain works or mm -hmm. sometimes you wake up feeling great yeah. and positive. And some days I, at least I personally wake up feeling like a sense of dread with my life. <laughs> it's so strange. And sometimes it has nothing to do with anything that's going on. Yeah. And you know, it's really weird. It's just like feelings and thoughts and, and your brain. It's so weird. Yeah. Something that I talk about in, I have a free giveaway on my website. It's called how to win the day. So again, that's at tonyrossicoaching.com. You enter your email and, and you'll get an email right back with a link. And one of the tips that I'll give away right now is how to win the day it starts the night before. Okay. And I think part of waking up in a good mood is going to bed in a good mood. And again, I said, I keep mentioning, I've been having some, some personal challenges lately and I've not been in a good mood the night before and it's affected my morning. Yeah. So again, I'm, tr I, I, I have all the tools in place that I use but it doesn't always work. Do you make your bed every morning? Absolutely. Yeah. Me I, too. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It makes me feel so good. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a great way to start your day is yeah. to make your bed and just make sure that you don't have any dirty laundry on the floor, everything in the hamper. And if at least you can start the first five minutes of your day yeah. in something that is a sense of introducing a sense of order into your life, I think it really sets things off on the right foot. Yeah, I, I also like to exercise first thing in the morning. And when I on days I don't, and they very rarely happen, on days I don't exercise in the morning before I go to work or on my days off going to a coffee shop to work on my acting or personal projects, on those days um, where I don't do it, it's like I feel off. So this is another whole podcast episode. <laughs> because yeah, yeah. I feel like exercise as it relates to like mood depression anxiety yes. i think it is huge absolutely huge 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 because i'm the same yeah. way and i'm an avid runner um you know weightlifter all that stuff oh that's great. and it is huge in terms of the way your mood your stress level for me it is a huge contributor to creativity and problem mm. solving but that's another that's another whole episode because I could talk about that. For, yeah, for, yeah, yeah, yeah. For hours. Now we're on the same page. So, can you offer listeners a couple tips or suggestions or guidelines on things that they can do to move things forward for themselves in their life generally, or to move themselves forward in their life in a creative manner? Yeah, 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 yeah. Cool. So, I'll answer in a way that speaks to me and the things that I know, and. I think the best way to move forward is, again, being your best self and stacking the odds in your favor in terms of mood and energy. And the smallest thing you can do is write down three things you're grateful for each day. And I like to do this at night. Again, I, I do it last thing I do before I go to bed, after I write down my goals. And 
then after I do my today's going to be a good day, today's going to be a good day, before my meditation, I write down more. I write down, I I do five, but I write down five more. But uh, if you just make that a habit, writing down your gratitudes every day, that's such a small way to set yourself up to win the day and to just move through the world like being a better person. I think that is a fantastic suggestion. And I'm kind of surprised that none of the other guests on Eager to Know have suggested that. So you are the first to suggest that. And I think that's great. Honestly, and it's totally not my idea. Well, Oprah used to talk about that. Okay, yeah, there we go. Maybe it's Oprah's idea. But and here's, here's the important thing about that. It doesn't have to be a big deal. Like you can find three things even when you're going through a tough time. Oh, like, absolutely. Like I always say, like some easy ones. I, I'm grateful for my apartment. I have a really good apartment. It's small. It's where I watched the 2016 Tony Awards, but I love it and it's mine and I don't have to share it with a roommate and it's quiet and I love my landlords. Like, But I, I don't write all that in the morning. I write, I'm grateful for my apartment. That one comes up over and over. It's okay if they repeat. It's okay if they're the smallest things. Oh, I'm... Grateful that I get to go back to bed tonight because you've had a bad because you're not looking forward to the day, you know, like it doesn't have to be anything grand. So, yeah, it's literally one of the smallest things you can do. But I think it's really powerful. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's very powerful. I remember when I was living in Boston, I used to go running down Mass Ave. Um, over the uh, Mass Ave Bridge by like MIT and all oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I used to go on Huntington Ave right by Symphony Hall. I used mm-hmm. to I used to go by this building and I don't know what it was, but it used to be people out in wheelchairs and there were pe- people in wheelchairs out in front of this building like they were they were out getting sun. Yeah. And oftentimes I would be in a foul mood thinking about how horrible my life was. Yeah. And I would go for a run to make myself feel better and as I'm running I'm seeing people in wheelchairs yeah. and it would always re wire me to think okay well i'm grateful that i can run and these you know these people don't have that opportunity and yeah. it i it would be it would happen a lot because I, it was on my running route and yeah. it was always kind of a reminder of something for me to be grateful for and you bring up a good point to something you spoke about earlier with the whole positive affirmations aren't enough thing like it does it doesn't mean that you're suddenly like in a great mood, but you can find things to be grateful for even during the tough times. I would agree with that. Yeah. I have my notebook in my bag right now and with my goals, with my gratitudes. And then I also, I listen to a lot of self-help the other uh, throughout the day. So, so you, you said two things to, to share. This would be my second. So the, the second tip is I call it the 10, uh, the 1030 rule where it's uh, you read 10 pages of a self-help book a day and listen to 30 minutes of an audio. This can be a podcast. So may- maybe maybe this podcast, Eager to Know, falls in that category for uh, wh- whatever it is that you're looking for creativity or inspiration for. I prefer self-help, but I mean, wh- whatever you can do to get it started first. So 10 pages of a book, 30 pages of an audio. I take notes as I listen to those. I don't take notes as I bike and I'm listening to a podcast on my Bluetooth speaker, but when I'm at home and I'm listening to like a, a YouTube channel on on any, any type of positive inspiration, business, acting, I take notes. And then before I go to bed, I, I, I like to review them. 
And it's a good way to wind down and look at all these awesome inspirational thoughts I wrote down. Okay, that sounds like a great tip. Yeah. Well, Tony, thank you so much. This was really, I was very excited to meet with you uh, when I knew that you were both an actor and then you were also like a a coach. But this conversation was way better than I even expected. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so thank you so much. Can, can I throw something in really, really quick? Of course you I can. will say, and we won't go off into a long thing on this, I will say doing two things is extremely hectic and and can be very stressful. I don't recommend it. There's a big school of thought out there that most people buy, and that's like doing one thing and doing one thing excellently. And I've heard that, and I have two things I like. So I have to, I'm, I'm learning. It's very not perfect. That's the hashtag that I love to use, hashtag not perfect. But doing two things is extremely hectic. So while it seems fun and like I, we can do all these things, you can. Just realize, uh, for anyone listening, if you want to do multiple things, it's a lot of work. Yep. That's what I'll say on that. I can, I can appreciate that being someone who is a painter and a podcaster. Yeah, absolutely. And, but both of those are a lot of work. Yeah. So uh, where can people learn more about the services that you have to offer or what, or more about you in general? Yeah, absolutely. So I've mentioned it a few times, but TonyRossiCoaching.com is my website. Uh, that's Tony with a Y, Rossi with an I, because my last name has an I. Sometimes people think there's two I's. So TonyRossiCoaching.com. Again, if you sign up for my emails, you'll get that free audio, how to win the day and learn about the workshops that I'm doing. I've been hosting some workshops at Nextdoor Chicago, which are Nextdoor Chicago is a great place to check out regardless. So at NextdoorChicago.com, you can find all sorts of free workshops for entrepreneurs and certain creatives. And then I have a podcast. It's called The Tony Rossi Show. It's a self-care podcast for actors. And I'm also on Instagram, Tony.Rossi. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. This was fun. My name is Ricky McGeckrin, and you have been listening to Eager to Know, the podcast. If you haven't already, please go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Eager to Know podcast. 